0: to be in service one more time. It's great to have this opportunity to gather in person and to gather virtually. Uh, we want you to know that those who are watching via live stream, we have not forgotten about you. We're consistently praying for you and we're looking forward to the day when you can come and connect with us in person. There's nothing like in-person fellowship. Amen. Uh, we can do Zoom and I, I appreciate the technology that that is provided and given us the ability to still connect and learn and be discipled, But it's nothing like looking at somebody face-to-face, laying your eyeballs on them, giving them a great big Holy Ghost hug, amen? And so we're thankful uh, just for those who are here and, again, those who view and via live stream and cannot make it here, we're looking forward to that day when you can, amen? I'm going to read something to you right quick because we've been talking about God's plan for his church, and we've been talking about walking it out uh, in the last few sessions. And walking it out involves us doing, making this gospel uh, that we live and that we preach about. And being the church that God desires for us to be is something that has to have tangible manifestation. Amen. In other words, we need to see it manifested or made alive in our lives. And you guys did an awesome job of this. I, I, I want to read a couple of thank you letters because during Hurricane Ida, you know, we had, you know, the, our uh, brothers and sisters down in New Orleans faced, a, a, again, uh, the tragedy of having to go through a hurricane. But you guys so generously uh, in helping two churches that we partner with down. And I just want to read this to you right quick. And we had a guy, Dan Gardner and some and, uh, Craig Pollard and uh, Brother Jacoby Bean. uh, uh Jaquan Davey, uh, uh, some other brothers, uh, Roland, I think, Roland, I, I forgot who all, a group of brothers went down there and and shared and took those uh, those supplies. And this is a a, a, a letter from both of the pastors. Stephen Partain says, Pastor Adam, I, I want to thank you so much for the support and generosity shown to us at Grace Community Church. The supplies and church, the supplies and church were such a blessing and help in a moment of difficulty as we work to serve our neighbors and share the good news of Jesus Christ. These churches are still blessing and serving people even weeks after. You know, sometimes people come to town and they leave, but these churches are planted in those areas and they're still serving. I look forward to the opportunity to meet soon as well. We at Grace Community Church are thankful for our family in Jesus and Elizabeth Baptist Church. Uh, Got another letter from uh, 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 Ryan uh, Pastor Ryan uh, at uh, uh, Connect Church of Algiers, it says, Our church family would like to thank you for the very generous donation of supplies you sent our way, as well as the very generous check. Uh, Not only did we send supplies, but we sent seed. We sent money to help them to continue to go. Each one of those churches, we sold a $2,000 seed into each one of those churches to continue to serve and to help. See, we're going to walk this thing out, guys. If, 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 if you want a church where you're going to come and y'all just talk about Jesus and what you ought to do, talk about love, but you ain't loving nobody. I'm here to tell you, we're going to we're going to put pressure on you to let God live out his life through you. Can I get a witness? So so he, listen to what he says. he says. Our church family would like to thank you for the very generous donation of supplies you sent our way, as well as the very generous check. Thank you for caring for our needs in a time of trouble. What a blessing. The supplies you sent were were uh, were able to be used here and in the harder hit areas. Please send our thanks and love to your entire congregation. Blessing. That's Connect Church of Algiers. So guys, when we partner with other ministries and and helping them to do the work of ministry, that's just like us doing it too. Yeah, we had to take the stuff down there. But guys, what we what we want to do and what we want to be about in this church is walking out. God's plan for his church we don't want to just keep teaching it we don't want to just keep talking about it but we want to we want to begin to show and to personify God's love in our everyday living can I get a witness now if you have your Bibles guys I want you to go with me to back to Ephesians the third chapter this has been our base scripture and while you are turning them uh, I want to if real quickly if you can find it brother Jake I want y'all to remember these points of emphasis we, we remember we, I was reading these uh, each Sunday before we got these points of emphasis that I want you to remember as we've been going through our study on Sunday. But our study on Wednesday, uh, we're coming toward the end of that of study of building a multi-ethnic church. And that study has been rich theologically and doctrinally because we understand after having studied the Bible that God's plan all along, Sherry, was to bring the different ethnicities into one body. To, 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 be, to, to, to show his manifold wisdom as compared to what Satan tried to do when he rebelled against God in heaven. God's manifold wisdom is on display when he brings his plan to fruition in the earth realm today. God's plan all along, we discovered, was to bring the different ethnicities into one body. And not just the universal church, because in order for this manifold wisdom to be on display in the world, the world has to see something. The world can't see the universal church, but they can see the local church. Can I get a witness? And remember, as we went through this thing, I told you, points of emphasis. Number one, we said racial diversity of churches... Is never to be the end goal. Biblical racial justice, reconciliation, and authentic unity are the end goals. I'll repeat that. Racial diversity of churches is never to be the end goal, but biblical racial justice, reconciliation, and authentic unity are the end goals. Second thing we want you to remember is pursuit of a multi-ethnic church and likewise a multi-ethnic Christian life must be firmly rooted in God's word. Racism is ultimately a spiritual problem. I was reading an article the other day where there are people who are, are you know, are, are coming against school boards for teaching, a, teaching history as it was, saying that if you talk about the racism or the racist history of our country, it's going to make certain kids feel bad. I thought to myself, what are you talking about? It is history. And history, amen, is history. We need to look back and learn from it, but we don't need to whitewash history. Are y'all with me today? So, so, so again pursuit of a multi-ethnic church and likewise that multi-ethnic Christian life must be firmly rooted in God's word. Racism is ultimately a spiritual problem. It will not be done away just with society's uh, formula for trying to bring people together. The third thing we say is as history proves time and again no earthly attempt relying on human effort can truly change the heart. Only God can do this and will do this when we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through the scripture. We let him speak to us through the scripture. Are y'all tracking with me today? It is the scripture, God's plan for his church that is the ultimate solution to bringing unity into the earth realm. Now as you look at Ephesians the third chapter, let's take a look right quick. Ephesians chapter number three uh, and we will uh, begin our reading again. Uh, at verse number six, is our taking off point. Let's move, guys. We got to move today. All right. The text says this, and this is God's plan. Everybody say, "It's His plan." This is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to whom? They belong to Christ Jesus. Next verse says what? By God's grace and mighty power, I have given I've been given the privilege. Paul is writing here and Paul says, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. What is another word for good news? The gospel. I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. What was that good news that he was bringing Jew and Gentile together into one body? See, the cross of Calvary goes beyond just your individual salvation. There are there are there are results as uh, the, the 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 gospel uh, uh, the crucifixion of Christ's death, burial, resurrection not only saves you, but it has it has impact in society and the way we live our lives. There is there is there's benefit to the to the crucifixion beyond just us getting saved. The other benefit is that it brings us together in the one body. God, By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Next verse. Let's read. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Next verse says what? Let's read. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Verse number 10. Let's read it. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Verse 11 says, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. All right. Now, now watch this. Watch this. Let's 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 get back to what we left off on last week. We talked about the fact that uh, part of our walking out means that we have certain duties as Christians that we are to abide by so that we can operate in unity in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot just do whatever we want to do if we're going to be kingdom citizens. You remember when I started this this teaching out, I told you that part of the problem that we have in the church today is many people don't understand the principle of kingdom. We think that when we get saved, then we just do whatever we want to do. That if we feel like it, we do it. If we don't feel like it, we don't do it. Let me me poll it us. How many of y'all ever had one of those Sundays where uh, you just didn't feel like assembling yourself together, as Hebrews 10 and 25 says, and you had no legitimate reasons why you couldn't come to church, it's just that you just wanted to sleep in? I need to see some hands in here. Anybody ever just slept in? I'm talking about before live stream. Huh? when you are a citizen of the kingdom you must understand when Hebrews 10 and 25 says it uh, if you could pop it up let's read it right quick this one this one in my notes but I think you need to hear this see we can assemble of course as a hybrid church we have some who are assembling online now and more power to you but we have those who are assembling in person but I told you earlier, there's benefit to coming in person. And as you can, as you know, as we get farther beyond in this pandemic, and as this thing gets, as, as you get, you go get your shot. Now, some of y'all, let, let me say this, and I hope I don't offend you. But if I do, I, I hope I offend you to go start doing doing what you should do is consulting with your physician. Let me ask you a question. Since when did you become uh, so engrossed in medical science that you know more than what your doctor told you? I I wouldn't trust you to tell me what to do. You didn't go to school to learn that, but you read it on the Internet, didn't you? Okay. I said, okay. So, anyhow... (laughs) So, if, 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 you, if you woke up one morning, if you see, as a kingdom citizen, you, we understand that a kingdom is ruled by a king. Who is our king? King Jesus. And he rules his kingdom. And so, as, when I accept him as my Lord and Savior, then I don't have the right or the privilege to do life the way I want to do it. I have to, as a kingdom citizen, operate based on the rules and the laws that the king sets for his kingdom. And the problem with our churches today is we think we are, Christianity is like a democracy. We get to do it if we want to do it. No, 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 no. If you're going to be truly a child of God who's operating under kingdom principles, you got to follow what the king tells you to do. And the king does say this. He says in verse number 25 of Hebrews 10, this is Bible. do didn't make this up. Let's read together. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Stop, park, park right there. Even some of y'all who may say, well, pastor, I'm still a little fearful about COVID. Okay, I I grant you that. Okay, you say, I want to be safe. I got some pre-existing conditions. Uh, Then so I, I, um, you know, I, I, I just don't feel comfortable. I'm cool with that. But why aren't you connected to discipleship training when we're doing it by Zoom? You can Zoom right there in your house. But you didn't sign up for discipleship training. What's the excuse? See, people will tell you one thing, but it ain't the real deal. Yeah, yeah. My brother Pastor, I don't feel like coming on Sunday. Okay, you don't, have to, okay you, you, you don't feel comfortable being around people because of what you got going on, maybe you, whatever, whatever medical issue you have, but why aren't you tuning the live stream? Right. Hey, back up to what I said earlier. Okay, you say you love God and you want to you you be a part of God's plan for his church here at EBC, but why aren't you connected with our discipleship training? well pastor I work well you, okay you work but you get home uh, in time to, even if you don't get, get there at the beginning you get home You, you get home in time to, to connect with your small group let me tell you something people will make excuses when they, when they don't want to do what the king told them to do in this kingdom can I talk to y'all like a pastor can I, can I talk to y'all like a pastor as your pastor, as your under shepherd, I, I want to tell you that God is watching what we do. And he knows our little excuses that we make. Because sometimes people tell you one thing, but it ain't the real issue. I just told you, there's no, there's no excuse why you can't be connected. You say, well, brother Pastor, I don't understand technology. Yes, you do. You're all on Facebook. <laughs> strolling. Looking at every video on YouTube. But now all of a sudden, you can't, I don't know how to do Zoom. You do, you're doing everything else. You Zoom for work. All right. So that's my little rant for, this, for you this morning. I want to encourage you as, a, as, as your pastor. I'm telling you right now, as your under shepherd, I have a responsibility to speak truth into your life. And if it hits you, if the shoe fit, just grow out of it. Don't wear it. Grow out of it. And stop making excuses. And let's get on with what God told us to do. Text says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He said, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. That's what I'm doing today. I'm encouraging you. Y'all are here. You say, Pastor, you're preaching the choir." I'm preaching the more than just you all. All right? Because some of y'all may be here today, but you may, I may not see you for three months. So we got to get that missing spirit out of you. You know what a missing spirit is? It's not a, miss, not a spirit. But you hit and miss. Because I want you to learn. I want you to grow. And I want you to walk this word out. I want you more, even more so guys, I want to see us and we're going to get a chance to do this when we get to the end of this study is we, we're going we're to walk out what we're learning. No need in learning this stuff and then we just put it up on the shelf and then don't walk it out. Everybody say walk it out. So, we're going to start walking out what it means to be a, a church that's following the plan for his church. What it means to be a church that, is, that, that has uh, uh, people of all different ethnicities doing life together and showing the world that there is unity in Christ Jesus. So, he says, Don't forsake the to semi-yourselves together, the KJV says. He says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, guys, we said that uh, as we unpack the Christian duty, we talked about our duty to God, right? Can I get a witness? We said we got to give him our body, give him our mind, and give him our will. We have to give it to him because God will not touch your will. You have to yield your will to his. Amen? And we talked about our duties to governmental authority. Is that correct? We said that uh, we have a responsibility as kingdom citizens to obey those who have the ruling and authority as it relates to government. God created three institutions to operate in the earth realm. The family, government, and the church. Those are the three institutions that God ordained in the earth realm. And they were all ordained by God for the benefit of mankind. Go with me right quick to 1 Peter chapter number 2, verses 13 through 17. God, governmental authorities, and then We have a responsibility uh, and duty to other people, which we're going to unpack here in just a second. Go to first, go to first Peter chapter number two, verse 13 to 17. The apostle Paul commanded believers to be submissive to the government because authority is ordained of God. Paul said resistance to government is in the final analysis resistance against God. And again, it's worth noting here in this passage here that some eight years later, after having been imprisoned a number of times by the Roman government, that Paul had not changed his mind. He still taught that Christians should obey the government. Look at what he says here. Watch this. Watch this. In first Peter, chapter two, verse number 13. Glory to God. I, I thank God for, 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 for biblical teaching. I want you to understand that God gives us his word for us to govern our lives by in the kingdom. He says, for the, Lord, for the Lord's sake, uh, he says, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Text says this, next verse. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. 16 and 17, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. 17 says what? Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Now, we don't have a king, but we do have a president. We have other government officials. So we are to respect them. I told you on last week, even if you didn't vote for them, you respect the office. Even if you're not of the same political party of persuasion, if that person is in office and they give a mass mandate as a Christian, we are to honor what that government authority says, as long as it does not cause us to do something that's against God's will. And when we don't do that, we're, we're, we're in sin according to what, what 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 the text says here and, in, in, uh, and what Paul said in the book of Romans. Amen? Peter just validates it here. So now let's get back. Okay, we, we talked about uh, our duty to God, our duty to government, but what about our duty to other people? Okay? Make a mental notice, This should be a note. Believers must show love to their neighbors for love comes from God. Go back to Romans 13 with me right quick. Love comes from God. Such love fulfills the requirements of the law. Look at Romans 13. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me today? We're talking about walking this out because here's what I've discovered. A lot of people don't mind coming to church. That's kind of what we do in the South or it used to be what we do in the South. But there are people, guys, who are missing in action now who it's more than just COVID related. I understand that. There are people who've actually been disconnected. They're not even watching via live stream. They won't even bring their children to be discipled. They won't connect them to CK kids and they won't connect them to Real for Christ. When we're trying to help solidify their faith by teaching them how to on their level to live out their Christian faith in their schoolhouses or in their homes and neighborhood wherever they go. But if you as a parent won't engage your own children in discipleship training and many times that's because you're not engaged. There's more to it than just COVID is what I'm getting at. There are people who've disconnected from God altogether. Hello? And here's the thing about it. Here's, here's why I know that. Marera and I go out to eat lunch or uh, dinner and we have our date night on Friday night. And we get a special place that we normally go to. It's uh, real good food. That place is crowded. People are packing the restaurants out. I just watched Alabama go down. Texas AM, who was the underdog, a prohibited underdog, just beat the number one ranked team in the country. And guess what, guys? There were 106,815 people packed in that stadium. But when it come to church, well, you're COVID, COVID, you got to be careful, you got to be co- careful, COVID. I'm telling you, people making excuses. I'm looking at some of y'all. Some of y'all been up in them restaurants eating? Come on, look at me. Now, some of y'all, I have. So if I can go to the ball game and cheer my child on safely, I'm not not fussing, guys. I'm just telling you, you got to look at people make excuses to not do what they don't want to do. And sometimes we just kind of, sometimes we just kind of let, you know, and and again, you got to make up your own mind to follow. If you're following God because I fussed, then you're not really, you haven't yielded your will here. I'm your pastor. I'm, I've been called to challenge you to look at yourself and to see how you line up with kingdom principle. So I don't apologize for that. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Amen? And I pray that, that you're hearing my love uh, that's coming as I share with you and encourage you, stop making excuses and look at yourself and say, What? when, at what point did I disconnect in my relationship with God? What happened when I was on fire? And I was, I was charged up and I wanted to do the will of God. And now I'm kind of laissez-faire about it. All right? Now watch this, guys. Let's get back here. Go to Romans 13. Let's start reading at verse number 8. So we have a duty to each other. Let's, let's move. Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. Now remember the context as Paul is writing Romans, as he writes many of his letters, Paul's Paul's uh, uh, assignment was to unfold the mystery of Christ. Paul's assignment was to, to teach and to, to apostle and to shepherd over churches that he's bringing people of different ethnicities together into one body. And he writes the book of Romans, the letter to the church at Rome. Paul had not visited this, the saints in Rome yet, but he's writing this letter to them because what he understands is you got these different groups from different backgrounds, different ethnicities coming together into one body, the body of Christ Jesus. And on a local level, they need to know how to get along. Are y'all track with me? Because when we have different cultures and different backgrounds, there's some understanding that we got we to get into our memory bank. He says, oh, not, nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirement of God's law. Let's keep reading. He says, for the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must... Not still, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So, love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Go back to Matthew 22, verse number 34. Remember this passage, okay? Remember this passage. Jesus is talking in Matthew 22, glory to God, and verse number 34. When we saw this passage, uh, the 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 teachers of the law, these these religious people, were trying to trap him. And the text says this again. Remember, he says, "But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with this reply, they met together to question him again." Here they are trying to trap Jesus. Y'all know the story. Come on, let's keep reading. Text says, "One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. What was the question?" Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Text says Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now notice what it says. Because we're dealing with relationship, relational uh, interaction between people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities that have come together in the church. Okay? Y'all get y'all got me? And so as we come together from different families of origin, different ethnicities, we have to have some principles and some guidelines on how we're going to do life together as members of the body of Christ. This is the first and the greatest commandment. we we'll notice what it says in the next verse. A second one is what? Equally important. What does equally important mean? That means it's on the same level. The Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, and soul. And the second is equally important, which is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse number 40 says what? Let's read. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on what? These two commandments. If you will do this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, if you do those two things, you will be clear and you will be on, 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 on good ground as it relates to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, if, if I, what does it mean to love? Because some people don't know what it means to love. Have y'all ever been in a relationship with somebody who told you that they love you, but the action says something different? Uh, come on, come on, come on, back up, back up. Back up. I, I'm not, not necessarily with the person that you're with now. Maybe, maybe, maybe the person that you're with now did some things that didn't show love. How many of y'all have ever been in a relationship with somebody who said they love you, but their actions show something different? Love is an action word. Quit talking about love and let's start letting the love of God personify itself through us. Jesus said, if you want to hang all along, if if you want to just boil it down, it's this. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, love is an action word. And what I've discovered is people will say that they love God, but they don't really love God. They love the idea of God. They even love the idea of going to heaven. They even love the idea of church, but they don't really love God. Because, see, love will personify itself in its actions. Let me give you an illustration. Love will move when your fit flesh don't even feel like moving. <laughs> I had a very, uh, uh, little I say somewhat comical incident, but sometimes stuff that's comical when you're married can be uncomical after a period of time. And Mararia, Mararia uh, likes for me to go with her when she goes to the grocery store, goes shopping, or even when she goes to get her toes done or her nails done. So you know, Saturday I was watching football, and I was I was kind of tuned into the Red River uh, rivalry with Texas and OU, and I was watching that. Brother Kobe and and, and uh, Mireya was had went to to the beauty shop and get her hair done and stuff. But she, she we were trying she was we were trying to connect, okay. Uh, and and when, when we were talking on the phone, she she was driving, and we said where well, we're gonna go to eat, and then she was she was thinking about going to get a pedicure. All right. So me, in my mind, here's what I'm thinking, Mac. I'm thinking, well, if she's gonna go get a pedicure, and we talked about this a little bit, she said, if if we're gonna go get a pedicure, then why don't you keep driving your vehicle so that once we get finished eating, you can go with your pedicure, and I can come on back here and keep watching the football game, Burkhardt. Now, how many brothers who've been married longer than two minutes know that when your wife really wants you to go with her, uh, even though she may say, well, okay, I'll go on and do that, but that's not what she really wanted. But she wanted me to say, Nancy, can, I, can, can you help me over here, Nancy? Tyrone, can you help me? She she wanted me to say, without her asking me to come with her, even if she did decide to go get a pedicure, i just wait on in the car while she's getting the pedicure. Are y'all with me? But, but again, what I'm getting at is, guys, love will say, even though I want to watch the ball game. Hello, somebody. It ain't nothing wrong with watching the ball game, but because I know she desires me to go with her, love says I can sacrifice and go with her to the grocery store, and if she want to get a pedicure, let her go get a pedicure. And I sit and wait on her while she gets her pedicured. But now here's, here's the thing, guys. She kept asking me a question trying to probe where my mind was and it almost caused turning to an argument. Anybody been there before? Let me see a hand, man. Let me see your hand, man. Raise your hand, man. And, and, and you're sitting there as a man trying to figure out what's all going on. But sometimes we, 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 we don't get too smart on some stuff like that. Sometimes, you know, but, but what she was after was she wanted me to want to go with her. She didn't want me to go with her just because I felt made to go with her. She wanted me to, to spend time with her. So I got the message, I got the message. I got the message, so I, I said, say, I, I kept asking her, well, how, where are you now? I kept trying to gauge where she was, because if she kept coming to Bend, that means she would get in the car with me, and I would go back there and get the grocery store, and then she go get the toes done, I gotta stay with her while she get the toes done. <laughs> but the argument turned around, we laughed about it once she got here. Because sometimes too, if you're hungry, sometimes when you're hungry, your mind gets a little edgy. How many I y'all get edgy when you get hungry? She was hungry, too, and she got a little edgy. <laughs> now, she, uh, you know, that, that's part of being a pastor's wife. Sometimes I have to tell stuff on her. Notice I'm telling on her. <laughs> now, but I, you know, I had some, I, I had to check myself, too, to make sure that I was, and I was okay doing either one. It's just that she wanted me to want to go. Sisters, can't, y'all, y'all looking back, I'm crazy. How many wives out there want your husband to want to go? even though he'll sacrifice and go, but that ain't quite good enough. You want him to want to go. And men don't understand that sometimes, but we're we, we trying to work on we, it. When we get back to our authentic manhood, we're going to talk about what it means to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Can I get a witness? So watch this. The entire, so some of don't know what love is. So love, love means I'll sacrifice even when I want to do something else. If you're selfish, you like, nah, I ain't going. You don't need me there. And here's here's the kicking part about it. Those groceries that she was going to get to fix Sunday dinner, she fixed it yesterday for that. Guess you going to be the first one at the table I wanna eat. So if I'm gonna be the first one at the table that I wanna eat, and my wife can cook, I'm gonna tell you, she's pretty and she can cook too. Are y'all with me? I ain't, I'm, I ain't playing either. And it's seasoned good. So if I'm going to be the first one at the table to eat, I figure I can go and help get it. And when she finishes cooking, I can be at, at, at the sink washing. I'll wash dishes. Here's a husband who washes dishes. I'm a husband who washes dishes, husband. Don't eat and go sit down and start watching TV. She don't slave for three or four hours getting the dinner ready and you can't watch dishes. I didn't mean this to turn to a marriage fellowship this morning. But I'm talking about love. See, we do Jesus the same way we tell him we love him and we're not willing to sacrifice for him. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments: love the Lord your God all your heart, heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, 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 let's 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 let's, 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 let's get back into talking about our duty to other people. Now, guys, we, one of the things that we learned in our in our in that book book study on building a mother as a church. And guys, this is some rich, rich study that we're doing. Uh, one thing we learned was uh, I think it's in that 7th chapter it's, it's talking about the like fact that Jesus' church is not a weekend event and that's been the problem with a lot of Christians they think Jesus' church is just a weekend event I gotta go to church how about being the church It's of just, just going to church let's be the church let's, let's let God's plan for his church be laid out in our, in our life let's begin to walk this stuff out Jesus' church is not a weekend event. It's not a destination. The church is the identity of God's people. The church is the identity of God's people. The Bible uses many metaphors to describe Jesus' church. What is a metaphor? A metaphor is an object, an activity, or idea that is used as a symbol of something else, it's a word. A phrase for one thing that is used to, the, to refer to another thing in order to show or suggest that they are similar. Are y'all with me today? So, 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 what we, we, we looked at six metaphors and we're gonna jump on to this part of it. We, 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 we learned that the church is called the bride of Christ. And see, I, I think that's a, a perfect analogy. the bride of Christ. The church is also the, known as the body of Christ. The church is God's royal priesthood. The church is God's temple. The church is God's family. And the church is a holy nation. Uh, The Greek word for nation is ethnos or different ethnic groups. Are y'all with me today? Those, Those metaphors personify what the church is. The church is not just a destination that we go to on Sundays. We are the church. Now let's keep unpacking. So uh, as, as these different ethnicities come together, Paul does a yeoman job of trying to make sure that we understand that if we're going to walk out this gospel, there are some things that we got to do. And we're not learning this stuff just to be learning it. There's some things that we're going to be challenged to do. There are going to be some things that we're going to challenge you to get uncomfortable to come out of your comfort zone. Because faith is always about coming out of your comfort zone. Y'all do know it, right? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things that are not seen. And without faith it's impossible to please God for the person who comes to God must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek it. So if I'm going to walk by faith, I got to get uncomfortable because I can't see everything. I'm not going to have, God will show you glimpses and he'll tell you to take a step of faith. Faith means I don't see the answer because if I saw the answer, if I already had the answer, I don't need faith. Are y'all with me today? So we got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. So, so let's get back, if you will, um, to Romans. Let's, let's let's bump on over to the um, uh, the fourteenth chapter. Because we are talking about these different groups coming together, and we had they had varying backgrounds, so that they had to learn how to get along. In the local church. As we walk with Christ. Our daily conduct. Ought to conform. To the conduct of Christ. Look at this again. As we walk with Christ. Our daily. Everybody say conduct. Our daily conduct. Ought to conform. To the conduct of Christ. We should begin to. Take on the family likeness. How many of y'all have been told you look like your mom or your daddy? Huh? From a physical appearance. How many of y'all have been told that you act like your mom or daddy? Sometimes for the good and sometimes for the not so good. All right. We should begin to take on our family likeness. If we're part of the body of Christ, we're part of the family of God, that should be walked out it's just a little in our everyday life. People are ready to look at us and tell that there's something different about us because the love of God is being, uh, uh, being exuded out of us on a daily basis. We should begin to take on the family likeness. Now, uh, go, go over to, again, Romans 14, um, uh, verse number one. In keeping with this, Paul said strong Christians need to give consideration to their weaker brothers and sisters so that they do not offend or injure them. Now remember, the, the Jerusalem church council in Acts the 15th chapter where they came together because there were some issues that would have to be resolved as the, the Jews and the Gentiles were coming together in this one body. And they, they came to a compromise on some things. Okay, there's some things we're going to keep as, as, as Christians with a primary Jewish background and there's some things we're going to keep as uh, Gentile believers who didn't have a Jewish background? And there's some things that we're gonna let go, like requiring people to get sec- circumcised. And there's some things we're gonna let go over here, not not eating certain type meat of, of the blood of, of, of a, a meat that's been uh, from an animal that had been strangled, and some other things that they had to stop doing that were immoral. Are you are you following me there? They came, to the Jerusalem Council solved those issues so the church. Now they, I said they solved, they made a ruling, but they still had to work this stuff out when they went back, and you still had. Some stuff happening in the church all along, as Paul wrote uh, in his various letters to the churches. But Paul was given the assignment to build multi-ethnic churches. So we don't apologize for teaching God's plan for his church. Because we discovered, Paul said in Galatians 3 and 8, that, that, that the gospel was preached aforetime to Abraham. Saying that you're going to be the father of many nations, of many nationalities. So, even though God had to choose a family unit to come through to bring the Savior, that's the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, Jesus came through 42 generations to be born, but that was not his plan from the very beginning. His plan from the very beginning was to be to, to the Jew first and then to the Greek or the Gentile. In other words, all of us come together into one body. Let's read here. So if we all come together in one body, there are some things that we got to take into consideration as we try to do life together. So Paul here uh, uh, said strong Christians need to give consideration to their weaker brothers and sisters so that they do not offend or injure them. Now watch it. Let's read together. He says this, except other believers who are weak in faith, watch this, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Now, on the surface, if you don't read this in context, if you don't know what he's talking about here, you'll start to say, Well, we're a Pastor, didn't he just not say, Don't argue with people about what they think is right or wrong? So, whatever you think is right or wrong is okay? Remember, I told you, as Christians, we live under the kingdom principle. And the king, which is Jesus, gives us the laws by which we should operate. Jesus and his word are what? one and the same. I quote it all the time in the beginning what? And the word was with God and the word what? Was God and the word became what? Flesh and dwelt among men. See the the word and Jesus are one and the same. So if I'm operating under the king's uh, kingdom and Jesus Christ is my king then his word should guide my conduct and my behavior. He was not saying issues of morality here. He was talking about things that, that, that were of uh, uh, what we would call errors of liberty. Watch what it says. Accept other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Look at what he says here, next verse. For instance, for instance, everybody say for instance. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. Now watch this. That's the Gentile believers who now enter this body of Christ who've gotten saved, and they come to the body of Christ not having the dietary restriction that the Jewish Christians who were in the body of Christ had. Are you with me today? For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only what? Vegetables. If you are a vegetarian, more power to you, but it don't mean you're more saved than anybody else. Next verse, let's read. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. Why are you in the restaurant getting mad because your 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 spouse won't eat what you eat? He says, "Watch this." And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has what accepted them. Now, listen. This 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 verse should give should come to you with a more enlightened. Understanding of what he's talking about here because we understand the context of Paul's writing, because Paul is writing to encourage Jew and Gentile, they have to be one in Christ. And they came from these different backgrounds, and he wanted to promote your unity in the church. Y'all track it with me? Because notice what he says here, guys. Keep reading. Uh, God has accepted each one, each one, whether you either not says, "Who, Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Next verse says what? In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day. While others think every day is alike. Some people will tell you you're wrong for coming to worship on Sunday. And we need to observe the Jewish Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath was not given to the church. And and the Sabbath wasn't made for Man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. Look at what it says. While others think every day is alike, you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is what? Now, I need y'all to read that again now, okay? Let's read it again. In the same way, I need y'all to read with me. Come, let's, go, let's go. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced. That whichever day you choose is acceptable. I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think, will think, will, will, as this church, the early church came together, who was thinking that, that, that one day is more holy than another day? Who, which, which group? Jews or Gentiles? Jews were. Because they had been accustomed to that all their life, that the Sabbath, Jewish Sabbath was on a Saturday, and that day was more holy than other days. He says, you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Look at the next verse. We're talking about getting along, talking about unity in the church. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Next verse, let's read. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord, and if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to whom? Next verse, let's read. says what? Christ dies and rose again for this very purpose to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. Text says this, so why, come on now, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now notice he is not talking about issues of morality. Whether or not you commit adultery or not, whether or not you lie, those things are wrong. And we ought, to, we ought to address our fellow believers when we know they're involved in those things, whatever it may be. But he's talking about these issues. Notice what he says here. So why do you condemn another, another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we were all standing for the judgment of Christ. Next verse. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Next verse. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Guys, listen, you can't stand for me and I can't stand for you at the judgment seat of Christ. You got to stand, as, as the old folks say, every tub got to sit on his own bottom, right? When you come before the beam of judgment seat of Christ, it's going to be you and the Lord. It ain't going to be you and your husband and your grandmama or your mama. It's going to be you and the Lord. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Next verse. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Y'all there with me? Live and can we read that again? Live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Look at what he says in verse number 14. Let's go. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food, can y'all read that with me? It says what? No food in and of itself is what? Now how many of y'all got some folks in your life who tell you that you're wrong for eating certain food? What did you say? I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat, but if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. Now remember, what, what, what is he, what, what, what's the premise here? He's got these different ethnicities coming together into the church and he's promoting unity in the church. Notice what he says here. Next verse three. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Now remember, I told you on last week how it was that, that that oftentimes when they would gather together, especially for the Lord's Supper, they had a love feast prior to the Lord's Supper. Y'all with me? This is not talking about you at your house and they're at their house and they call you up and you say, What they say, what are you eating? You say, I'm eating this. This, this and then, then then now you gotta stop eating what you eat because they think it's wrong. This is talking about when you come together or when you m- mingling together and you know that that person thinks eating pork meat is wrong, don't don't invite them to in your house and put before them pork meat and say he eat. Everybody said it's wrong. To my eye, I, I know what the Lord say. The Lord say, Whatever I want to eat, I can eat it, and blessing is good. So you eat. No, no, no. You're causing them to violate their conscience. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love you eat it, don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Next verse, let's read. Come on. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. Next verse, let's go. For the Watch this, watch this guy. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. You ain't going to get saved because you don't eat certain things or that you do eat certain things. It says that the kingdom of God, is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Next verse, let's go. It says what? If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will do what? Approve of you. 19 and 20. Let's go. Come on, guys. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to do what? Build each other up. Next verse, let's go. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it's wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. And some of us have been making folks stumble. I said some of us have been making people stumble. Now now, now again, guys, don't stay weak. Because Paul calls the person who thinks it's wrong to eat certain foods, he calls them weaker brothers. And he calls those who had liberty stronger brothers. And he's telling the stronger brothers not to judge and condemn the weaker brothers. And he's telling the weaker brothers not to condemn the stronger brothers. Because we, we're trying to be unified here. Don't tear apart the work of God or what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it's wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. Do the end of chapter 21 through 23. It is better not to eat meat. Or drink wine. Can we read that again? <laughs> it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. I got to ask y'all a question. If y'all saw your pastor rolling up the thrifty liquor and coming out with a, a, a bottle of Jack Daniels, would it affect you? Somebody say no. I bet you it would. If you saw your pastor rolling up on the street and going over to the weed man's house, yeah. would that affect you? Would you look at me a little different when I'm, while I'm up here? If your pastor, Huh? Was out there at a club, bumping and grinding, (laughs) all up on the back of somebody doing this in the club. Cameron, you laughed too hard, then. If you were in that club and you saw your pastor like one coach here just recently bumping and grinding on some woman who's not his wife and then you came up here on Sunday morning, open your Bibles, it would affect you. It would affect your ability to receive from me. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else, if it might cause another believer to stomach. People debate about what not Christians can drink, and I, I, I would I would argue that just based off of the scripture, if you're going to live and be God's best, I think it's best to abstain. Because I don't want anybody to not come to Christ because of me. If you drink, are you going to hell? No, because what, what sends you to hell? Rejecting Jesus. Now, I will argue this. If your lifestyle is, is at a point to where you don't do anything that the word says, then I'm going to question whether or not you really love Jesus. Because you can't just love Jesus and do whatever you want to do. Because some people are saying that they love Jesus and that they are saved, but they, their lifestyle is not indicative of somebody who's came to Christ. I'm not saying none of us are perfect, but I'm talking about lifestyle. I mean, you're all up there raggedy in what you live and what you do, what you say and how you act, how you respond. Something is wrong. Because when you come to Jesus, he won't leave you like he finds you. Thank God he does it! It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or anything else if it might cause another brother, another believer to stumble. 22 and 23, let's read. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. but keep it between yourself and God. Now again, he's not talking about things that are blatantly outlined in scripture as sin. Because some of y'all say, well, oh, okay, pastor. You say you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. So I can keep my side chick between me and God. Just keep, just keep it. Just keep it. You know, don't, don't be all out there in public, you know, with it. Just, just keep it. See, some of y'all think that's OK. Just to, not some of y'all. I'm just my people. If I just you know, just don't be blatant with your stuff, you know, just kind of keep, you know, keep it on the down low. Let me tell you something. Wherever you go, God's watching you. Are oh, y'all listening to me today. He says you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something that they have decided is right. He is not talking about issues that are black and white, laid out in Scripture. i got to tell you all that because there are certain things that are in Scripture that are wrong. Next verse. In other words, we don't get to decide what's right or wrong. The Word of God tells us. But in this he's talking about those gray he's, he's He's got people from different backgrounds coming together in the body of Christ in those areas those that are not areas of immorality he said you know, if you want to eat certain foods you can eat them but if it's going to cause your brother to stumble then don't do it but if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something <laughs> you are sinning if you go ahead and do it for you are not following your convictions if you do anything you believe is not right you are sinning that's what he says Alright, so if we're going to be in the church, we got to make sure that we are uh, doing things the right way. Alright, so, so in keeping with this, Paul says strong Christians need to give consideration to their weaker brothers and sisters so they do not offend or injure them. This is all about your unity in the church. Lastly, the strong and the weak should be accepting of each other and not judging each other in these issues. Uh, that we, those kind of issues that we just talked about. That'll help unity take place in the church. Now, as we get people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities into the body of Christ, you know, we, we come from different, different genres. Some people come from different denominations. Some people think that they, if they see us dancing in the church, ooh, that's wrong. They're going to hell for dancing. Well, I just read to you last week, when we read it all the time, Psalms 150, 150 says, praise them in the timbrel and the dance. So, if the Bible says praise him in the temple and the dance, if we break out with a little shout music and you want to dance, dance. Because when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he set me free, I could dance, 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 dance all night in the church. Maybe some of y'all start dancing in the church, you stop dancing in the club. with your body suit on. Some stuff you ought not wear to keep drawing attention to yourself. The Bible says dress in moderation. I don't mean dress like an old fogey. You can dress sharp and be in moderation. Guys, we got to learn and we are going to do it the right way in this church. We're going to be biblical We're going to be theologically sound. And what we're teaching is not a social experience. It's it's God's plan for his church. And I thank God that we're learning that. And we don't have to let somebody from the outside tell us what we ought to think. We're going to go to the word of God and and see what God has to say about it. Everybody say, "Walk walk it out. So my job as your pastor is to push you, to encourage you to challenge you to walk out this word. And when we finish this course, we're gonna give you an opportunity and we're gonna give you an assignment to begin to walk out what we've been learning, doing life together with people of various ethnicities. Some people, we don't even, most of us, if, if we're honest about it, we rarely connect with anybody out that don't look like us outside of work or school, but as a church, we're going to see it transpire because we're going to do life together as Christians amen because that's God's plan for his church you ever bowed every our clothes father we thank you and praise you